What are you growing in your garden? How is that meal from the chef? Oh my god. Oh man. It was so good. What did he make you? Like a pesto focaccia pizza. It was so good. It was unreal. You got any pests in that garden? I'm yeah. so hungry. That was so um... <laughs> I really just want to know all about the garden. Hey, welcome to Dip and Jail, baby. A casual conversation with professional artists. I'm your host, Sid Williams. I'm also going to be eating breakfast because I haven't eaten yet today. So. And it's going to be gross. You're going to hear Sloppy Joe eating. <laughs> I'm going to do it to the side. Uh, I would love to eat pancakes with I you. I know. Sydney, I almost made pancakes for dinner last night. That sounds night. like a great idea. Why didn't you? I got really tired. <laughs> <laughs> got back from a really big bike ride. Yeah, you've been biking like a maniac. Didn't. Wait, did you I'm have that dinner like party? That's tonight. That's tonight? Oh, that's exciting. That's something to get excited yeah, what's about. What's the dinner party? I was invited to a birthday dinner party of super badass woman who runs a photographer and artist agency, and she's super rad. Cool. I'm really excited to just, like, be in her circle. I think that's all we need, Sid. What do you think? Should we be done recording? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Domi, we'll start from the beginning, Okay. Do you want me to call you Dominique okay. the whole time? If, if the whole thing is to be a conversation between friends. <laughs> I like to be formal with you, Miss Powers. <laughs> no. No, absolutely not. So I'm here with... Absolutely what, What's going on? What absolutely. do I need to do? Do I need to sit more squared off? I'm too hunched? I don't look good enough Work for you? Work on your you? posture. Go eat your Sam. goddamn sloppy joe. You sound. What? Which is amazing. I don't sound good because I'm slouch. No, you sound good. <laughs> okay. So I'm here with Dominique Powers. She's a photographer professionally working for D Factory as a digitech on major shoots, including Vogue shoots, major fashion icons, major, major photographers in the industry because she is a wizard. Um, had the privilege of going to school with her, of living with her, of really being the person that I discussed my career with, with no reservation, um, no comparison. No jealousy ever, just none of that catty lady things, just pure love and support. And I am so honored and grateful to have a friend as wonderful as Miss Dominique Powers. So we're going to start from the beginning. Domi and I went to school together at the University of Vermont. We studied art education. We graduated the same year and had very similar ways of navigating this world. So I'll let Domi really take it. From here, Domi, what made you go to UVM, University of Vermont? Okay, well, first of all, that introduction, Sid, you're gonna make me cry. I love you so much. <laughs> I love you so much. I miss too. you I so miss much. You too. <laughs> this just brings so much this joy. Bicoastal stuff is not good. <laughs> um, before we even jump in, I'm gonna say that I'm so grateful to be a part of this and have enjoyed so thoroughly watching this podcast take off and watching your art take off and. Going through this adventure of life with you and next to you and alongside you and so excited to see where we Yeah, me go. too. I've been excited to see you. I'm always excited. You know, we get hyped. You're my hype lady. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whether it's like walking home from parties in Brooklyn being like, yeah, you're going to be the cool aunt to my kids. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh. Yes, absolutely. Oh, speaking of cool aunts, I went to UVM because of my sister. She was three years older than I was, so she was a senior when I was a freshman. 
that along with it being in state, having a really excellent program, being somewhat close to home, like there was a lot of a lot of things going for it financially and the education that I would get from the school were the driving factors. Studied art education because of the a little, definitely a little bit because of the job security, knowing that, you know, when I graduated it I would be set up to have the beginning of a, you know, great career and even though I didn't you know, I'm not currently working in education or working as a teacher, I still use the skills that I gained through that program every day. Oh, definitely. And it was definitely the, you know, set me up for success in a way that I don't think any other major would Just have. an overall path of um, empathy. Absolutely. You know, and we you know, had a lot of, our major was super small, so what, our class was 11 people? If that, yeah. It was so, yeah, if that, 10 or 11 people. So we all got to know each other really well and got to talk about, you know, education opportunities and discrimination in education. And we took more art classes than an art major. I felt definitely very prepared to use art as a tool for facilitating joy. Yes. And facilitating, like, a process of self-discovery, which I think, I mean, the art education majors of our year are way more serious artists than art majors. <laughs> Which is weird how that worked out. Yeah. I think it just like forced us to use art in such a practical way, like through and also through teaching art you come to under, understand it so much more. Like I know that through student teaching, you know, teaching a bunch of high schoolers about photography and art and pottery and it deepened my understanding and appreciation and joy in the making of it. Mm-hmm. Not everyone gets that opportunity. And our yeah. outlook on the art making process not being comparative to each other, but as a tool to really share our work with the world, I think was a nice way to go through college of not, we were never cutthroat with each other. Right. You know, and in art programs, people are very competitive and we did not have that competitive air it really was this collaboration around a table very supportive eating snacks and being supportive oh my god so many snacks yeah we could not focus without like pretzels <laughs> very food motivated me too, me too. <laughs> yeah. so we graduated from uvm emotional day so then you can yeah. you went right to new york that year yep pretty much i moved down that summer started working at a big photo studio down there called pure 59 studios um, worked some long, grueling hours and ended up moving up through the ranks there, switching departments, working in digital, which then set me up for the current position that I have now, which is working as a digital tech. So I ended up leaving Pier to work for the company that I currently work for called D Factory, and it's a digital capture and post production company that is based in Paris. Our New York office has been around for about seven years. And then after two years working with them, they moved me out to LA to open up our she West She started office. the LA office. Just gonna <laughs> throw that out. Told me on a subway. We were sitting down. I don't even know where we were going, but you're like, I think I'm moving to LA to start an office there. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, it's been an amazing opportunity. Um, but so as, as a digital tech, I do onset color editing and file management for photographers on photo shoots. So I am in charge of 
not only what the images look like, you know, creating a color curve on set to bring it into the world of, you know, the photographer's work or like the, you know, mood that they have for the shoot. I'm also naming and organizing and processing and backing up. And while I'm doing all that, I'm checking focus and exposure and, you know, the composition and everything and basically being a second pair of eyes for the photographer, making sure that the camera's on and working and, you know, that everything technically is going smoothly. And then at the end of the day, I hand off hard drives with the entire shoot, you know, any selects that they made on set, you know, processed to JPEGs or TIFFs or, you know, however the photographer or client or whatever, however they need the images. Um, and then they have that, you know, ready to go to retouching or to go however they need to handle the files after the shoot. It's all ready to go. I think when most people look at an image, they don't realize how much color and behind the scenes work there actually is. So you're right in there as if you're, you are a part of the shoot, like a major player in the shoot. Right. And I don't think a lot of people even take into account that a digitech is such a pivotal position in a photo shoot. It's a lot of responsibility, you know, making sure that the images are there. Uh, but it's also, you know, a lot of fun. I get to work with some really incredible photographers and creative directors and other assistants you know the the community that you build working on these shoots because it's everyone coming together to create this set of images it's really it's really special and you know you get to work with teams multiple times because you get in with photographers that you really like working with and they like working with you and you know you travel with them and they they just become family after that so it's Beyond just working in photography, it's working with the people that I really love. So it's it's so really we're gonna special. back it up just a little bit. What made you fall in love with images and photography in Ooh. general? Mm. My sister and I had over our our childhoods, we always had a little point and shoot camera, which you know, super small grainy photos, but we were we would just run around with it and all, all of our adventures and any hike that we went on, we would bring it along. And so I'm, I'm really grateful for that because creating images was just a part of my life. And it wasn't until I was in high school that I touched my first DSLR, which is, you know, when you think of a more like professional camera, like that's what it is, it has lenses that you can take on and off and makes more of like a click when you press the shutter because there's a mirror that lifts to expose the sensor. It's, it just like feels more pro. And seeing those images, it was like, oh, okay, so the camera that you use can affect what the images look like. And like, oh, well, there's different lenses. And um, then when I got my own first DSLR, that was when I started thinking of it more as an art form. I remember when I got my first prime lens it was a 50 millimeter which is like pretty standard and it went down to 1.8 aperture which um just means that the lens could open up really wide to let in more light and it meant that you could have a really shallow depth of field i remember i just like ran around all night in my neighborhood taking these like long exposures was of... this a middlebury it was a middlebury yeah so just like quaint little middlebury vermont town so like you know flowers in my garden at night and it was just the first time that I was able to 
really explore or like push photography more technically and it kind of opened up my mind to the different possibilities and ways that you can make image you know that it's not just like a snapshot of whatever you're doing on your hike like you can manipulate it with like how long of exposures you have or like what your depth of field is and that tells different stories definitely so I guess that was when I realized that I could tell a story with an image so through your journey of working in different photography departments um, did you understand how you best fit into making an image and what you wanted to do to facilitate the image I, I think we might need a slight rephrase. Yeah, so. but I mean, I don't even know if what I said makes sense. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I can back it the fuck up. You worked with a lot of different equipment. You worked in an equipment room. You totally. worked on, you know, yeah. you were just a lot of different roles in the photography scene. Absolutely. You did a lot of freelance photography. You did a lot of, like, photography for yourself. You did a lot of image manipulation. So you have a unique lens of really, like, understanding the photography world in a really broad spectrum that I think a lot of people don't have that well of, oh, I know every aspect of what makes this image an image, and you do. And I value this knowledge because it's knowledge that I have, and you know, you, you can't help but, but feel that way, but I am very grateful for you know, having had the experiences that I've had of like working more on the photo assistant side at points and working a little bit in video and now teching and retouching and thinking about bodies of work and something that I've come to realize is that as much as I absolutely love photography and love image making like as a career I'm not trying to be a photographer but I can't see myself working in any other field as passionately as as I do so it's been a real journey of kind of figuring out like okay well I love this aspect but like I don't love this aspect like I love working with people and I love being on set but like I don't love having to like sit in an office and answer emails all day so like how do I you know merge the things that I do love and just keep pushing it and keep pushing forward and you know creating opportunities not only for myself but building something that creates opportunities for others and um, that's definitely been something that I've been thinking of recently because when you get busy, it's very easy to focus on yourself because you're so busy that you just, it's it's like self-preservation. It's like, okay, well, I'm on set four days this week and then I also need to like go grocery shopping. You just get in like your world of like, this is my life and like this is what I need to do to get through it and like also do a good job for work, but it's still just insular in that it's just you and one thing that this quarantine has brought is space and a little more time for reflection, which, you know, I'm hoping that everyone in in this country is doing. It's like, okay, well, I, I've built this thing myself, but how do I build it for others? And you've been doing a lot more photojournalism projects as well. So yeah. um, just to, like, give a brief overview of your work, you really do work at the very top of the photo industry. You've worked on shoots for the New York Times, for Vogue, been on set with major, major celebrities, major talent, the biggest photographers in the world. So being at the very top of 
your game. It's not almost about crawling the ladder even more, but it's about like, okay, now that I see how this world really operates and works, like you've been working on a lot of work, even regarding the protests and regarding, you know, things that aren't just ad campaigns for Vogue, but had some substance. Um, so that is bound to like trigger some something <laughs> down. Yeah. 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 definitely when you work on it's a lot of fashion because you know they're trying to sell things and when you need to sell stuff you need to have images of it and having worked in fashion for a while like there's definitely more fulfilling shoots than others um but for the most part it's you know, yeah, you're making images to sell something which isn't necessarily something that I agree with. Like, fast fashion is awful. Um, but it also provides me opportunities to work with really incredible people. So it's it's Catch a 22. tough crossroads where it's like, okay, well, I've built my career in this field where, like, I need to work on these shoots to buy groceries. But ultimately, it's it's given me creative opportunities and provided me the skills that I can then take and use in ways that are more fulfilling and have a... Can you tell me you know, an exa- like a day in the life on one of your most favorite shoots? Like, what does that look like? Oh, goodness. Or maybe that desert shoot, you know, because that was fun <laughs> well, and that was recent. I mean, I don't know. I wasn't there. I just hear this yeah. on the phone. <laughs> But I can always tell when you're having a good time. <laughs> so um, there's usually a dog on set. I mean, so like a standard photo shoot, you have a call time. So time when everyone shows up. And I am always have gear in tow. So it's either like if we're on location, I have, it's called a seaport and a tripod. It's basically a mobile, like mobile little office. Put my laptop in it. I can run around carrying it. If you, if you go on Instagram and look at hashtag digitechdomi, you'll see so many photos of me and my seaport setup. And it's so good. They're all so good. Fa- favorite thing. <laughs> <laughs> so that, or if I'm in studio, I'll have screens because they're bigger and nicer to look at. But I show up with my gear and get it set up for the day. And then we have breakfast. Another great thing of working in this field is that I get fed. And you catch up with your homies who you haven't seen for a bit because after, you know, after working in the industry for a while, like you end up working with the same people again and again. And my favorite part is you'll work with someone and have a great day with them and then you don't see them for two months, but then you see them again and it's like no time has passed and you get to catch up and um, everyone is just really lovely uh, and also, you know, very creatively inspired so it's really amazing getting to know all the people in the industry not only the photographers but the other assistants you know everyone has a passion project and everyone is is in it because they care do you mind if i ask a question yeah um when you're on set like so so after you set up your cart um what like comes next like what do you what do you do next do you well, she has breakfast. Oh, after, well, I mean, I mean after breakfast. And my second cup of coffee. Yeah. And then, so at that point, 
say it's for a fashion something, say we're in studio, I get my stuff set up, photo assistants get the lights set up, talent goes into hair and makeup and styling, which usually takes a couple hours. Then we Is it cool to see the talent be transformed? I know that's like kind of a basic question. Um, I don't often see them like before. Okay. Um, and I mean, it, it, no. Okay. That's fine. I don't know. I'm, I'm just curious <laughs> yeah. also about like how long uh, a shoot day is typically for yeah. you. Is it like, I know in film it can be like 10 yeah, or 12 yeah. hours, sometimes pushing 14 hours. Is there, are there ever days like that? Yes. A standard day on set is 10 hours and sometimes 12. So like everyone works on a day rate and the standard is, you know, whatever rate for 10 hours. And then over time after that, um, unless they know it's going to be a long day in which the, you know, producer, whoever is supposed to give you a heads up that it'll be for a 12 hour day. And then, you know, you adjust your rate for that. And then if it goes beyond, but yeah, like 10, 12 hours is pretty much guaranteed. The longest shoot I've been on was like 16 or 17. It's wild. But yeah, when you get into like travel shoots, then yes. Or like, especially around LA, we shoot up in Lancaster, which is the desert or out towards Joshua Tree. Or even like, I mean, I live on the east side and we're shooting in Malibu and in normal times there's crazy traffic. So I'll, you know, be in my car for an hour and a half to get out there and then have a 10 hour day and then have a two hour drive back. So That ain't no it, New York life. <laughs> you could just bike yeah. home. Oh man, yeah. I've been. I have another question. If that's okay. <laughs> Absolutely, please. I've got lots of questions. I love um, it. All right. Um, what was I going to ask you? So, <laughs> so, in terms of hierarchy on a set, is mm. the lead photographer acting as a director? Are there are there directors of the shoots? Like, I'm I'm just curious. Like, for that that particularly long day. Um, I was wondering, I'm, I'm just thinking about like, is just the director or the lead photographers just... Ian, re-ask that whole question. I'm trying to, th- I'm trying to work it out. No, it's okay. I, I, I get what you're saying. It, it depends. Um, it depends on the photographer and the type of shoot. So on like the more standard spectrum, the photographer shows up around when the assistants do and They've had a conversation with the first assistant prior to the shoot to figure out, you know, what the light they want. So then the first assistant knows what gear to order. Um, So they get there and, you know, the assistants set up the lights. The photographer is usually a part of that. We'll pre-light, so we'll, you know, test it. Someone stands in and so you can see, like, how the light shapes on the face. They're a part of that. And then they're, you know, shooting, giving direction to the talent, communicating with the creative director or the client who, you know, is looking at the images on my screen and is saying, you know, like, yes, this is like in the direction that we're going, or like, maybe we need to try this, or, you know, the stylist is looking at the screen too, and it's like, oh, you know, we need to change or adjust this. And, you know, yeah, they're shooting all day, depending on the shoot, anywhere from, you know, like six to like 30 looks, which would be like different shots or like, you know, wardrobe location changes. And, you know, yeah, that goes on the whole, the whole day. Uh, so they're very much involved. But then on the other, like, higher spectrum, maybe it's like a bigger ad job with a bigger photographer. 
there have been instances where the first assistant takes on a lot more responsibility and it's usually a photographer who is busy enough to have a full-time first assistant. So this person only works with the photographer. They give much more direction through the pre-light, setting everything up, and then the photographer comes in once everything's like in a good place. Cool. So, so the photographer is sort of the director as well. They're playing both roles. Yes. It's interesting to yeah. think about the, the contrast between like a, a film set and... A photography set for sure wondering on like a, a typical day how many photos are are shot like how many do you get and then like how many end up getting actually used I'm so sorry That's okay. <laughs> uh, on, on a standard day there's anywhere from like two to five thousand frames shot whoa yeah and then who goes through those images after I think Domi is that you all you like who chooses the photos uh, either the photographer or the creative director or the client makes they look through selects. all 2,000 photos or whatever yeah wow yeah. yeah wow 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 it's a lot of storage yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. hard drives for days what is what's the the how much space does 5,000 photos take up well, it depends on the camera. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it. Tell me, what's what's your passion project personally? We're still talking about nerd stuff. I know, but I I'm almost at my bandwidth with nerd stuff. <laughs> you know, Sid. Okay, well, the standard shoot is anywhere from like a hundred to five hundred gigabytes. To answer that, and depends if I need to process tips. See, I'm you know, this this, this could go on this question. <laughs> <laughs> but that, it's interesting. It's like knowing that stuff that people don't think about. Yeah, people. Don't, yeah, she. Except had, Ian. You live. You live under hard drives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I literally have a, a box of six of them nice. right here for my shoot next week. There's more hard drives than need to be in this house. It's fine. <laughs> everything's um, fine. Everything's fine. Passion project. I don't think I have one right now. Who needs passion? Which, well, that's not what I said. <laughs> um, okay, pre-COVID, because passion projects and COVID is complicated, because I know nature has been a huge... <laughs> in, <laughs> I'm, this was a leading question, because I've known past passion <laughs> projects of yours. <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just teasing you. Um, yeah. So your love of nature, the outdoors, whether that's... I know right now you're in a huge biking phase. Always really a huge biking phase, but oh, more man. than ever before. More than yeah, ever before. But you're an avid skier. Quarantine really kicked off my my cycling obsession yeah now you're cycling like 60 miles 80 miles a day i don't even i can't even keep track they're like <laughs> yeah. it's a ridiculous amount it's a, it's a lot it's aggressive but it's been therapy so it's just been so so good and you're an yeah. avid skier and rock climber so mm -hmm. i know you've done a lot of photo shoots with rock climbers and at one point when we were living in bushwick together you wanted to be an outdoor photographer. Yes. There, there's definitely been lots of, I care a lot about this. So how do I continue to care a lot about this and combine it with photography? Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's been with, you know, photographing in the outdoors and the sports that I do. And then coming to L.A., I did a series of portraits with musicians here, which was amazing because I 
absolutely love music. She also plays ukulele and is learning guitar. She's a lady of a lot of skills. <laughs> how is guitar going? It's good. I'm, I'm learning how to finger pick. Oh, nice. I, I know a couple of songs. I'm working on like memorizing some so I can, you know, just have like them in the bank. Whip out the guitar and yeah, exactly. A little Fleetwood Mac here, there. Yeah. Just, just really going for campfire vibes. That's really all you need. Uh, I remember someone telling me once, uh, I think it was like a tutor I had, like an English tutor. She was like, my husband just wants to be able to play guitar so he can go to like a house party and see a guitar and just play. That's really all you need to do if you can learn like five songs. Amazing. It's great because that has also been a passion project during the last couple months is, you know, learning that. Uh, it's really been a time for like, all the things that I've been wanting to do, like finally actually doing, it's like I've wanted to play guitar for years, but I was just too intimidated by bar chords, so I never did it. Um, until one day, I think I was just like having a shitty day, and it's like, I'm gonna go get a guitar. So I did, and then the day was better. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So back to the adventure um, photography stuff. Um, what kind of steered you away from pursuing that career? I love images and love making images, but also working with images. And Did you not want I, to mix them because they were so? There's just like a, a f switch that flips when it's my own images versus someone else's. And I'm able to just like see a body of work so much more clearly when it isn't mine. That's, that's the next passion project is like, I would love to work with photographers putting together books or like working on their bodies of work and portfolios and, you know, helping tell a story through someone else's images. And, you know, we'll see where that goes. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So you definitely, I know this answer, so I'm just going to have you elaborate on it. You believe in collaboration amongst multiple artists. You like shooting musicians and art it you like you just uh, the creative sphere really is yeah. fueling there's a level of spontaneity that comes with working with other people that just can't be helped and I think that that is like that extra spark that's so special is that like I have in my head you know a, a vision of where I see this image or this series or this project whatever it is going but then when you bring in someone else who like it's either their work or like you know, working with musicians where like, no, they don't create images, but like they have an idea of who they are and have an identity and then bringing that enormous energy into the space, it can't help, you know, but, but against your own creative energy. And when they mix and come together, that's when you create something together that never could have been possible individually. Absolutely. And I don't, rem I don't even think we were living together at this point, but when we went to Max B's and you took videos of everyone's creative process and we were, yeah. our past, our, our episode that's releasing this Thursday is with Duke and we were on the, we yeah. were on the roof of Max B's apartment and Duke was describing the, we are like the very beginning of the, we are love project back in 2016, like, and you were capturing and facilitating people's stories via video. And that memory is just so, yeah. It was cold. It was like November when we were in t-shirts on this rooftop in New York. <laughs> <laughs> and then I made you do yoga. Yes. It was great. Yes. Lots of <laughs> yoga films. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have a dream collabor collaborator? I ha can't even say the word. Do you have a dream collaborator? 
that you wish to dreamly collaborate with? Uh, yeah. Eye is so itchy. All right, go for it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> this all has to be because I'm having a minor allergic reaction. It's fine. You're just Don't mind sneezing. me. You've no. seen me way worse, oh, so I'm uh, not yeah, concerned. Absolutely. Um, I mean, you, Sid. Come on. Oh, please. That does not count. We collaborate in yes, life. It does. No, it does not. <laughs> no, fake news. <laughs> <laughs> Your flattery is nice. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. No, but it's true because it's you know the the people that I love working with are the people that I really care about and understand me and um you know that's yeah oh that's sweet oh, I know God. sorry for being mean initially <laughs> whatever whatever said fake what? news <laughs> as a photographer or somebody that works so heavily with images how has social media affected your relationship with images? I mean, it, it can't help but do so, especially with Instagram being as, as big as it is now. I would say it's definitely, like, the social media app that is the most prevalent and relevant in everyone's everyday lives. And being image-based, you know, as a photographer and someone working in a visual field, it, you know, has almost become a portfolio for people. Totally when I'm working with a new photographer, the first thing I do is go to their Instagram to get a feel of, you know, how does this person present themselves to the world and how do they present their work? Because that's, that's the thing when you're working with someone as a tech personally, like I want to know what types of images they're making or that they want to be making. And that's beyond just, you know, what does the color look like? But you know, like what moments are they capturing that they are then sharing because then when you're actively working with them on a shoot, you know, understanding their process and where they're coming from allows you to, you know, help them better. It's way beneficial to know their mood or their vibe or their process or what they're looking at. But yeah, it, it, social media is, it's, it's such a beast, especially now when it has, you know, turned into a way that a lot, a lot of people are getting their news it's not quite the, I guess, lighthearted place it used to be, but it's also a very important tool. Yeah. Um, I, I've definitely gone in, in waves of how I deal with social media where, you know, sometimes I just put so much pressure on myself to, like, use it as a portfolio that, you know, I won't post something unless I'm like, this, you know, this is good and it, you know, relates to the last image and, you know, really curating it. And, you know, I'll curate it for a week or two and then I get stressed or I'm not actively creating work. So I don't have anything new to share. And so then I don't. I think that demand for artists is exhausting. It's, yeah. You know, you have to, it's not this constant. We're not necessarily designers or marketing professionals or PR people. You know, it comes in, you need to feel inspired. You need to have a well of experience to draw from. You need to create and then you're ready to show. And that doesn't happen at the speed that social media demands. And I think a lot of the times that creates a lot of stress. I mean, as a painter, Instagram's also the medium. And without your photos, I couldn't post my work. <laughs> <laughs> Domi actually shot my original series that got me a residency because of her images. 
Um, she came to my house in Jersey. It was my pleasure. Where do you think the industry of photography is trending towards? That is a great question. One that if I really knew the answer to, I'm sure one day I'd be very successful. I mean, ho hopefully it'll be a more you know inclusive place that gives artists of all ages and backgrounds a platform to create meaningful work that inspires themselves and others. You know, whether that is fashion or photojournalism or, you know, photography purely as, as an art form. Like, there's just so much potential. We're photographers, like the old school, quote-unquote, photographers who worked a certain photographer. Like, it's a very different feeling on set. You know, you wear all black and you're always at attention and... You know, you have to work hard not only to help create this image, but also to kind of prove yourself. And especially as a woman in the industry, you know, there's definitely more female techs ratio-wise. Um, but I would say like 93% of the photo assistants I work with are dudes. Maybe like 75% of the photographers I work with are guys. And there have been so many instances where I'm the only woman on set less less so now because I feel like I've definitely come into my own but especially at the beginning yeah you feel like you have to prove something wow there's an animal behind you in this tree oh probably dude the squirrels have been out of control yeah no that's a squirrel definitely a squirrel it, it is it is a, they're like yelling at each other from across the yard and throwing walnuts on the ceiling oh, it's that time of the season it's a walnut tree out there and there's Post-COVID, do you think that how shoots had happened are going to change? I hope so. Well, they already kind of have with the talent taking iPhone. Oh, they, I mean, yeah, shoots. So I've been, it is July 16th, and I've been back on set pretty consistently since May 20th. That's pretty awesome. Two months. <laughs> Good for you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, I mean, I'm so grateful that I have work so that I can buy groceries because as we've mentioned very food motivated um and pay for pay for new bike stuff because it's like groceries and bike stuff is you know i'm not going out i'm not doing anything else like that's it um very grateful to be working but it's also very stressful because we're working in the middle of a global pandemic you know yes there are new precautions in place, everyone's wearing face masks, we, you know, social distance to the best of the ability, which is always complicated. Yes, because photo shoots are such a collaborative effort. Everyone from the photo team, hair, makeup, styling, like everyone's coming together to create this thing. It's very, you know, physical. You're next to it, you're looking at images, you're discussing, you're collaborating and it, it's so ingrained in everyone to be close. So like distancing has definitely been the thing that could always be better. But um, what it's also led to is, you know, there's less clients on set. There's less like assistance. So the, the teams are a lot smaller instead of, I mean, photo shoots, you know, especially if there's a video team as well, it's anywhere from like 20 to 60 people coming together. And now it's, you know, like 10, 15 at the very max, if 
you're outside and people are working in different areas. So it's a lot smaller teams and less client on sets, which then means that I'm either streaming the session so they're seeing the photos or you know, sharing images after they've been taken. So communication becomes so key because not everyone is there. And what I hope that this leads towards after, like I, I'm not even trying to use the phrase like after COVID because- Yeah, I don't know if there's ever gonna be an after. Right, it's, it's a you know, continuous, ever evolving, global situation but I hope that what it I hope that it puts more emphasis on quality I already have seen brands working with photographers that they know and trust and sorry I there's a dog here it's okay photographers are choosing to work with teams that they know and trust because they're good so you get a tighter team of better people Downside of that is that there's less opportunities for more up-and-coming people because, you know, when you can't have more people on set, you can't bring on an intern or bring on a third assistant who would then be able to their way up. learn. So now it will absolutely be a, a downfall of the current situation is that there's less access. And I think that'll be the biggest challenge is how do you still provide opportunities for people who are learning and, like, how do you lift up those who wouldn't otherwise have access to that education. Because the thing with the photo industry is that there's no entry exam. Like, yes, I studied photography, but like I never, you know, had to- Take a bar exam. Score, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, you, you start working on set and you learn and ultimately it's, do you know your shit? Can you communicate? And do I want to spend 10 to 14 hours a day with you? Yeah. That's it's um, the same exact like prerequisite for being on a film set. Absolutely. I I, I got an internship once. Um, it was a small place, and there was two other people that were trying to get the position. I ended up getting it because I seemed like I could spend five days a week, eight hours a day in a studio space with the audio mixers. It's like that was, and I didn't know I didn't know anything. So they took me, who's less qualified, and gave me the position just because I, I seemed like I could hang, <laughs> which, which is it's actually really interesting. That is really interesting. It's, it's really one of the more important things for like well, long-form I, collaborative I work. also feel like collaboration, you have to create a safe environment. Um, I mean, I you know, Domi, when you first started taking pictures of me just because you always had a camera, how uncomfortable was I? I don't love people taking photos of me. Like, I don't, you know, I don't really identify. I very much am an internal person, and I don't, like, do my hair or my makeup. I wear sweats a lot. You know, I wear yoga clothes a lot, so I never really put this emphasis on this, like, exterior that I, like, was seeing images and associating with. And I think you creating this super safe place made me think of a, a camera differently, made me think of recording moments differently. Um, and definitely collaboration is really about, do I feel safe? And I think right now in this climate, we all have to step back and make it safe for more people, you know, and not be like, can you hang? But like, can this be a fun, safe, inclusive, 
big conversation with a lot of different backgrounds and the commonality that brings us together is a love of making an image is a love of painting is the love of x y and z yeah since this podcast is made for emerging artists of all ages of all mediums whether you're a musician or a painter i just want to touch on how important it is to people to have other people in their corner when you're coming up even when we okay we left vermont and we were both in new york together and we were both Mm -hmm. getting opportunities that you know our peers maybe weren't getting and i just want to talk about the confrontation with jealousy Mm -hmm. um with being a woman of getting opportunities that are pivotal in that early moment of your career and what it means to have a friend Mm -hmm. that's not going to judge you that understands what it means to be an artist, that understands the instability of the life that you choose to go into. The support, I mean, don't mm-hmm. I was living with my parents. My dog had just died. I was in a place where I really needed an escape. Like, you saw me and you said, I don't care. I want to live with you at some point in our lives. I know you don't have money. I know you're trying to accomplish something. I'm going to make it possible. The amount of gratitude I have for the that time is just unbelievable but to have a friend that is an artist that understands what you're going through and is not competing with you especially as a female you're all figuring it out and everyone's having this anxiety post-graduation about a job period and none of that infiltrated our friendship and I want to talk about how how do you support emerging Mm. artists Mm. oh my heart so full it's always so full when I talk to you I mean yeah our friendship was is always will be but especially at that time very pivotal in that I was really proud of the accomplishes I was really proud (laughs) I was really proud of everything that I was accomplishing with my career and you know I was working and hustling and it felt good and to be able to share that with someone be like yeah I'm kicking ass and like not feel bad about because it is the double-edged sword of when you are kicking ass and you're getting momentum and you're, you know, working more jobs that are something that's aligned with what you want to do. There are people that just want to know how you got there and don't care about the person behind it. Yeah. And there's definitely a line between, you know, like being proud of your successes and then turning a little you know, egocentric. There's so much emphasis on being humble, which is good but it's like not so much to the point that you don't acknowledge your own successes and I think that was something at the time that I was struggling with was that I you know was starting to work on these bigger shoots with these bigger photographers and I was just so excited about it but name dropping is one of my pet peeves so like I didn't know how to share that and just being able to you know meet up for our weekly lunches in that park on in Soho yeah <laughs> what, spring in what is that park called I don't know I don't know if it even has a name it has it to must. it has it has to. it's like an area that's green so in Lafayette to. just south of spring so I guess my advice to emerging artists is you know to find your person and they don't need to you know be in the same field you know, they just need to support you. And also understand, like, this unique set of problems that come that right. no one ever talks about. Yeah. Because it's just supposed to be this glamorous life of, yeah. oh, you're 
finally getting the gigs that you want to get or you're finally doing the things that you want to get but then as everything there's this evolution and this new set of expectations that you put on yourself and to really you know reflect on those expectations what's self-induced what's not um, it really does help it helps just talking it out with somebody and it's so easy to self-isolate mm-hmm. yes it's so exciting when you get things that you want like it was so exciting when you told me you were opening up the LA office I mean yeah it asked me even five years ago that I you know never could have foreseen this you know I before I lived in New York I never thought I would live there and then I lived in New York and I loved it and then I had never even thought of LA and then you know just saying yes to opportunities leads to so much it leads to knowing when you should say no. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Mm. Tell me. I really am. It's just amazing to see where you grow and how passionate you are when that moment of clarity of, yes, this is where I need to be, and I need to pivot, and I need to do it mindfully, and I need to do it without stepping on anyone, and I need to do it for myself. It's so admirable, and it's so, you're so organized, I, you know. <laughs> So he's like one of the only yeah. people I know that can read a bus schedule and follow the bus system in Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, do you have any anything else? I've got some stuff. Excellent. I'm just curious who like some of your favorite artists or people who have influenced you are. These are the questions that I'm really bad at on the spot. It's okay. Who did you um, who did you study in like Anthony Gruden's class? Who did you choose to like write about in art history? Um, the only Gruden class I took was all about Warhol. Oh, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just, like, I, you know, want it to be a good answer and reflective of, like, how I really feel. Me and you and I, I think, feel the same way, honestly. It's like, I, I don't think I have any particular influences. I would say I'm the... I'm the most influenced by the people around me. I definitely pick up little sayings that the people that I hang out with do. Um, but creatively, I definitely feed off of my friend's energy. And I think that's why our friendship bl- blossomed so much was that you were also so just passionate and, you know, we could always have a conversation about art and there's always something new that we were thinking about. Just having those open conversations encouraged me to just be actively thinking about the type of work that I am making and the type of work that I want to make. Um, which, you know, circling around comes back to why it's so important to have people that you can talk to about work and art if that's, you know, the, the direction that you want to go in. You know, whether or not you're actively talking about a passion project that you're working on just having that line of communication open and thinking about different art practices leads to you know new pathways opening up i'm working on a series that i'm really passionate about but maybe whatever i'm doing you know working on other people's work is then informing decisions that i'm going to make in one to ten years when you know, I do make a body of work that then, you know, reflects back on what I'm doing at this point. It's okay if, you know, that I don't have a passion project right now. Like, that's okay because what I am doing will, I know will one day influence what I do do. And as long as 
I'm passionate and enthusiastic now and, you know, still pushing it. You know, it's, it's believing in what you're doing. And it's like, I, I care a lot. That's a, I guess, personality trait about myself is that I just, I care a lot. I care a lot about the people in my life. But like, if I don't care about something, like I'm not going to do it. So like, if I'm working on something or like in a career path, like I'm doing it because I really want to be. That's a great, I think that's a great ending spot. I, I agree. And I also, I think I agree with you for sure. That was great. Sid, I must really care about this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because I work it like there's nothing else. This is true. (laughs) What's the the timeline on this? Um, Probably like a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, like three weeks maybe. Um, Kara's our timeline person. We're very the type B. You know me. <laughs> Literally. We do not schedule. I don't schedule. I, she, well, you knew even how I live. Like, Domi's, like, on it. She, like, wakes up, has coffee, reads a book. I'm, like, Goes for in, a cycle. Yeah, I'm, like, in bed, sleeping, sleeping in a twin bed with, like, Lion King sheets. <laughs> My clothes are all over the floor. I wake up at, like, 10. I'm, like, oh. <laughs> and you're, like, what's wrong? Oh, I actually, I actually just thought of something that I'd love to ask. Yeah, absolutely. If I'm super busy, like working on like a like a, a production or even on production or even like editing, I I fall into some really bad, bad production habits. Like I'll I'll wake up, especially if I'm alone. Like I'll wake up, I won't brush my teeth, I'll start editing, I won't eat anything. I was wondering if you have like any bad production habits. Um. Well, I always start my day with a cup of coffee. So that like no matter what, there have been. A couple times, especially during quarantine, when I've been working on retouching projects and, like, due to timelines, whatever, I'm, like, up and at it. Like, one day I started at, like, 6.30 a.m. because I had just, like, gotten the selects overnight and was like, all right, let's go. Um, And it was images of the the protests, so it was news, so it kind of had to be done fast. Um, But even then, it was like, all right, I got my cup of coffee, uh, still in my pajamas until noon, um... When I'm on, on set, though, it it's like you can't really help but have your shit together because you need to, like, see people and... Look presentable. Yeah. Look presentable. I definitely have to brush my teeth on those days. And, I, you know, there are definitely mornings where I haven't brushed my teeth, 100%. 100%. I think COVID is, um, like, inducing bad habits, too. <laughs> you know, like... But also making some good habits. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's trades off. Trades off. Trades off. Mm-hmm. There's trades off. There's trade-offs. <laughs> yeah, Domi, you really don't have many bad habits. You don't, like, let yourself fall into, yeah. like... I definitely prioritize... The underbelly. Like, feeling like a human being. So, even if I'm, I'm sitting all day, I'll... You know, when I get up to get water, I'll do lunges into the kitchen and... Like, she's a freak. I just, I can't. I, can't I mean, it. like, she's a freak. Like, you're, you're, you've definitely, like, helped restructure what's normal human practices. Like, when I lived with you, I was just like, all right, I have to get my life a little more together. I mean, I get it. If I, I there were some days where I was on set and I haven't worked out and I just have all my, like, my, my sound bag on me and I'll just do a couple of squats and, like, Cute. Yeah. overhead press the boom. It's just, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say the, the, the toughest thing about being back was that 
my feet hurt. Oh, you gotta get Dansko clogs. So Shout out Dansko clogs. Seriously, black Dansko clogs. Sneaker gal. I know you're a sneaker. I know, yeah. I know. Yeah, or the Tim's. Well, I'm running around. I only... Okay, so... Fashion. Do- Domi's onset fashion. I-, I still usually wear all black, unless I'm in the desert, in which I wear all white. Um, I only wear carpenter pants on set. I need to have the side pockets. I have my phone in the right and my Leatherman and a Sharpie in the left. That sounds solid. Real real nerd status, I have a pair of custom Nikes with my last name on the back, and I love them. You do? Yeah, they're all black, and on the left it says POW, and on the right it says ERS, because you can only have three letters. Word. So it worked out. So it has POWERS on the back of my... Shoes. Yeah, when Domi student taught, they had to call her yeah. Miss Powers. That's pretty sick. I just want to make that really <laughs> yeah. known to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Domi, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram mm-hmm. at Dominique Powers. Uh, you can find my website, www.dominiquepowers. <laughs> and you can find me on my email if you want to start a conversation it is hello at donypowers.com yes Um, it's really just just my name Um, yeah perfect is it cool if maybe photographers that want to learn more reach out to you i would absolutely love that you know all about starting a conversation amazing all right well i love you i miss you the zoom is I love you I, it's great and it's sad it's always bittersweet because i'm like oh where's our physical <laughs> contact yeah where's our hug okay well i'm hugging you from yes LA. oh i'm i'm hugging you back also alex's mm. wedding was a year ago what a time for for the listeners i photographed sydney's amazing older sister's wedding and they had colorful smoke bombs running into the sunset, and it was one of the more memorable experiences. It was and the best photos of a wedding in the entire history of weddings. Seems like a 24-hour day. <laughs> yeah. I hope you paid her It was time. amazing. <laughs> Bye.